Hi, I'm Pinny. I'm Astrid. And welcome to It's a Continent, the podcast that decolonizes history one story at a time. So we're here to challenge the common misconception that Africa is a country and essentially appreciate the identity of each nation. Um, And through each episode, we'll be exploring key historical moments which have shaped the continent. Hello, everyone. Welcome to season three of It's a Continent. Oh my gosh, can you believe it? Season three. I cannot wait. So excited. I just can't believe this is our third season. Crazy. Crazy. After the world's longest year. Yeah made it and on season three so yeah thank you for sticking with us everyone and if you're new welcome yes welcome to uh joining us on our journey of uncovering africa's history making it more accessible and fun so yeah you're in for a treat sounds good so normally we do african pride which is a segment where we look at uh, individuals that we want to highlight that are doing amazing things um on the african continent And this week's African Pride is going to Dr. Catherine Nakalembe, a Ugandan NASA scientist who is using satellite technology to boost farming. And her work has actually won her the 2020 Africa Food Prize. So big up her. Dr. Nakalembe is an assistant professor at the University of Maryland's Geographical Sciences Department in the US. She heads up the Africa section of NASA's Food and Agriculture Program, and she uses satellite data to study agriculture and weather patterns. And she combines this with data gathered on the ground about crops, and she uses this to build a model that uh, learns to recognize patterns to help make predictions when it comes to farming. Dr. Nakalembe has worked with officials to guide farming policies and the data that she's obtained through the satellite technology can be translated into a local language, text messages, and it goes to show that governments can use this as a means for planning flash floods or famine. And early research by Dr. Nakalembe has allowed 84,000 people in Karamoja to avoid the worst effects of highly variable climate and lack of rainfall. Oh, that's a nice one. Love it. I was like, what, how NASA agriculture? I did not see the link. I d- but... Yeah, I did not even... <laughs> not consider. For, yeah, forever learning something new, but good on her. This week, we are in Namibia and looking at its forgotten genocide. This was the first genocide in the 20th century an era which includes genocides against Greek, Assyrian, Armenian people, as well as World War II. Whilst the crimes against humanity in these other situations are well known and documented, the Herero and Namaqua genocide, which took place in Namibia, is not widely known or taught. Between 1904 and 1907, thousands of Herero and Namaqua men, women and children were shot, starved and tortured to death in response to a rebellion against German occupation and theft of land. Where do we begin? We normally start, well, we don't normally. It's just unfortunate that we always have to refer to the colonizer bun fight, isn't it? Like, yeah, always, always like, honestly, it's the beginning of <laughs> not everything, but of the nightmare. Now, this is a story all about how. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, here we go, Berlin here, Conference. Here we go again. So, yeah, you know what it is. If you're not familiar with the Berlin Conference, uh, we often refer to this as a colonizer bun fight, as it was essentially when Europeans came into the African continent and annexed areas for themselves. So Germany, during this event, annexed an area in Africa's southwest coast, calling this area very, very imaginatively 
German Southwest Africa. There must have been some creatives around that time. It's <laughs> really there was <laughs> just like, the naming of German Southwest Africa is what? Really? Yeah, we couldn't think of anything else. So that's what we're going with here. Yeah, we'll stick with that. The entire coast of this region was annexed, and by 1890, Windhoek became the capital. German control expanded from coastal regions and retreated further inland. As a result, the Germans took harsh military action against indigenous people who lived on the land in order to capture this valuable land. The Herero people spoke Bantu language, living in the central and east region of Namibia, and they lived a relatively peaceful existence and were cattle herders. The Namaqua people, also known as Nama, were nomadic people who grazed with their herds and they lived in the southern part of Namibia. It's been argued that many ideologies which fueled the Holocaust and systematic confinement and extermination of the people actually began at Herero and Nama. And there was the concept of Lebensraum. Going in there with that German. <laughs> I never like, did it in school. Did I you never, have it? Never. No, I actually never learned German, so I have no oh, idea what I'm saying here. Yeah. <laughs> but our German listeners will correct us, I'm sure. Uh, and this translates into living space, as at the time Germany had an aggressive stance towards expansionism, where settler colonialism, i.e., when colonists would come in and live in the countries that had been conquered, present in Namibia. This was common from the 1890s to the 1940s. Basically, the idea is that Germany would have an empire similar to British or French empires. So Germans getting a bit of FOMO there with the yeah. empire tip. Wanted to have one of their own. Southwest Africa wasn't the only colony Germany obtained during the colonizer bun fight. And as we talk about this more and more, it begins to feel like some kind of sweepstake as they also annexed Togoland, Cameroon with a K, which we actually covered in season two, and some of the area now known as Tanzania. It is said that Namibia was the only overseas territory that Germany deemed suitable for white settlement. But I'm also sure that they deemed the local resources such as diamond and copper quite suitable for their settlement as well. Yeah, do you know what I mean? I feel like Bora Bora will be a very wonderful settlement for myself does, does it have gold? when I retire. Like, but you it know. doesn't have gold. I'm not. I'm not on it. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm just. I'm just damn. I, I need to make better decisions because for me, it's like it looks pretty, so I'm fine. It's, there is sun, good weather, and wonderful water, so I am good. But yeah, I guess it's all about well. the mineral resources. Mm-hmm, all about those minerals. As German colonial officials arrived in southwest Africa, the Herero people saw themselves stripped of their land by the Germans. Bear in mind, this is cattle and ancestral land of the Herero people. By 1903, over a quarter of Herero land, that is 130,000 square kilometres, or 50,000 square miles, had gone to German colonists. The Germans were even contemplating confining the Herero people to native reserves. To reflect how outrageous this is, Namibia has a landmass more than twice the size of Germany. The Germans were extremely heavy-handed, as you can quite clearly see. The Herero people lost substantial amounts of land and therefore cattle. In Gaudi's book, African Kaiser, he quotes Theodore Lutwine saying, The Hereros from early years were a freedom-loving people, courageous and proud beyond measure. On the one hand, there was the progressive extension of German rule over them, and on the other, their own suffering increasing from year to year. Unbelievably, the German colonial government held the view that African populations were undeserving of human rights. You're coming to their own land. Wow. Okay. <laughs> this, it's just the, the audacity. The just, audacity. You're undeserving of human rights in your own... In your own land. 
in your own land. With the legal testimony of seven Africans being equivalent to the testimony of one colonizer. So that's a ratio of seven to one. Mate. As in, they believe that seven black people are of the same value as one white person. And yeah, that's what it comes down to here. Yeah, essentially. I can't believe they're doing maths with people. I'm just, I mean, it's not dissimilar to, I believe America had um, a similar thing where they also demeaned and had some weird back calculation about how black people were less. But I I just, yeah, I'm struggling to get my head around it, to be honest. But I guess it would make it, because they have devalued these Africans, it then makes what they go on to do to these people. It justifies it in their heads. Yeah, I guess if you're not seeing that person as human, you can be like, yeah, well. You can, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't really count. Exactly. We'll talk more about medical racism that was involved too, which they used to substantiate this racist ideology. The very idea that Germans considered placing the Herrera people in native reserves goes to show the way in which um, the Herrera people were treated with such contempt. White settlers often referred to indigenous people as baboons and essentially only recognised black people's existence when it came to serving a purpose in Germany's favour. Kind of like not dissimilar. It kind of reminds you of football for some reason. Because you know when you have... Well, I know you... I was going to say, I literally (laughs) first thought was... Wow, she couldn't even wait until episode two of the third season to bring in a football (laughs) reference. How did you... Okay, I'm actually... I'm excited to see where this goes. Where is the link here you're bringing in? No, you know what? Football fans will know because... It's a case of you'll hear black players being referred to as monkeys, all this kind of thing, when it's the opposing team, you know, throwing bananas at them. But when that black player scores for your team, scores that last minute, 91 minute winner, you only then recognise their existence because it's serving in your team's favour. So, okay, yeah, no, I've seen that. (laughs) I've drawn that link, but I think it's relevant. (laughs) No, no, I see what you mean. It's true. As soon as it's, yeah, let's bring this person in because then it's now serving us and we're actually, um, yeah, going to win. So I'm with you. Okay, you can get away with it. (laughs) I've I've gotten away with it. No no change there. So now we're going to just talk about the increase in tension that was happening in Namibia or if you prefer German South Africa, but who actually does. Let's just do away with the narrative that African people simply closed their eyes whilst Europeans took their land. In January 1904, Herero people under the leadership of Samuel Maherero staged a surprise attack on German colonial troops, killing more than 100 Germans. The Herero were well-armed and outnumbered German colonial troops, and at the time, Major Theodore Lutwine favoured renegotiation. However, general staff in Berlin overruled, with the German emperor appointing Lothar van Trotha as its commander-in-chief. Van Trotha was basically a colonizer specialist. Did you just say colonizer specialist? What kind of LinkedIn <laughs> is <It's> madness? <laughs> colonizer Gosh. specialist at <laughs> empire expansion. <laughs> yeah, do you know what I mean? <laughs> what are people recommending you for? Honestly, like, like these people, because you know they're doing. They do become specialists in the sense because you have an emperor appointing you to then come and be like, you know what? Can you sort this out, please? Because we know that you're going to do the most and that's essentially what's happened here gosh i think yeah no this madness madness (laughs) so von trotha we say was a colonized specialist because not only was he a veteran of wars but he also took part in the boxer rebellion in china and perhaps von trotha was employed in this setting as the prevailing mood in germany was that of revenge so remember they actually believed that the white man was worth seven times more than a black person so clearly by this point 
they're vexed that I can't even imagine the national mood at the time. Very, yeah. very hostile. No, it's true. And is it just me or every time you say the word Von Trotha, I'm literally imagining a vampire? <laughs> it's, like, it's the most villainous name, isn't it? Like, Do you know actually, what I mean? Like, we haven't made this up. Like, Yeah, just like those cloak and they're like, it's all the way up and they're just there like fangs out. Literally. That like, <laughs> it's just a badge, cool. colonizer specialist. <laughs> it sounds like a James Bond villain as well. But... Oh yeah, it does actually. <laughs> wow you could not make these things up you really couldn't and you couldn't make this up but von trotha actually spoke of cleaning up executing shooting down the last man with no pardon which is very dangerous language and the german colonial army then staged a counter-attack in retaliation to the herero uprising and the herero survivors were pushed out into the kalahari deserts where they hoped to reach modern day botswana many of the herero people Trapped in the desert didn't make it and they were killed by starvation, dehydration and water poisoning. It's been asserted that the German colonial army poisoned desert water wells in a deliberate attempt to kill the Herero people. German patrols found skeletons around 30 metres deep as the Herero people were struggling to dig water to survive. Now this is just just evil to be honest. Do you know what I mean? They're out in the desert already. Yeah. What other, do you know, like, can you not just, yeah, just, le- just let it be. Let them, you know, try and actually try, try- get and find refuge, but no. Yeah, but no, let's also poison the water. This genocidal intent was highly disturbing with Lieutenant General Lothar von Trotha saying it was impossible to conduct themselves against what he termed non-human. So again, because they see Africans as less, in their minds, they've justified why they're doing this. It would have been interesting to see what newspaper articles and things at the time would have said. Do you know what I mean? Like how people back home would have been uh, back home in Germany would have actually been communicated this and I think it would have been exactly the same in terms of this way saving them from themselves because these people aren't human. Yes actually the German media did describe the um, Herero people as subhuman and diseased just like pests and there are examples of German trading cards where Herero men were depicted as thieving, rioting and violent but just to come back to that pests uh peace actually yeah it's quite scary to link because it's not so long ago that refugees were likened to as cockroaches for example which which is a pest so mm-hmm. it just goes to show why how people dehumanize other humans it then explains why they then treat people as less than yeah and how it kind of makes it a lot easier in their minds to be like yes. well you don't deserve x y and z yes exactly so when you think like how how did we get here you know that's what it is. And it's just, for example, here in the media, the German media has been describing them as subhuman and diseased. And, you know, in, in unfortunately in the UK, the media has also been describing certain oppressed groups as less than human as well. So that's that's where you get that dangerous rhetoric. This is put into context as well when we realise that von Trotha was a supporter of social Darwinism, which was calling for the extermination of inferiors, quote unquote, to purify the so-called Aryan race. So social Darwinism is basically like faux science and a line of thought for racist policies, believing in white cultural and biological superiority. And this formed the roots of the Nazi Holocaust, which was to come later on in the century. An annihilation order was given where Hereros were no longer seen as German subjects and 
all will be shot, was the wording. Von Trother continued to pursue the Herero people into the desert and any survivors captured by the Germans were executed. Eventually, resources ran out and German colonial army could no longer chase the Herero people into the Kalahari Desert. And as a result, patrols were stationed along the perimeter of the desert to prevent the Herero from returning to their own country. In December of 1904, von Trotha's execution order was repealed and replaced with a new policy. This drew inspiration from the British example in South Africa, as the Germans introduced concentrationslager. Wow, that was really bad. <laughs> Are we not going to attempt with the German accent at all? Or we just oh, gonna... no, no, that was, gosh, I can barely even speak English and into <laughs> a British accent, which translates to concentration camp. These camps were located in larger towns such as Ludenta, Windhoek and Khabib, with men and women and children. In 1904, the Nama communities also rebelled, led by Hendrik Whitboy, the Namaqua chief. Whitboy rallied his people with the conviction that God had guided them to fight for their freedom from European colonists. He died in battle on the 29th of October 1905. His dying request was, it is enough, the children should now have rest. Side note, Hendrik also appears on all 50, 100 and 200 Namibian dollar banknotes. The Nama also ended up in concentration camps. Most of the Nama communities were imprisoned in Shark Island, a camp off the harbour town Ludens. Up to 80% of prisoners on Shark Island died there. It is thought that 75% of Herero people and 50% of Nama people died during the genocide. Herero and Namaqua people were fenced in by thorn bushes and barbed wire, facing illness, abuse and exhaustion. Shark Island was the most notorious concentration camp. It was a barren land with desert and strong winds, with slave labour taking place for the benefit of the German military and white settlers. Each person was categorised based on if they were deemed fit or unfit enough to carry out slave labour. Death certificates were pre-printed in batches, indicating death by exhaustion. That's crazy, because it's like they already knew how they would die, and they're just like, oh, you know what, let's just print it out in batch. Let's get ready, you know. As for the food, it was uncooked rice, as the camps lacked pots and cattle carcasses. These were indigestible, and many imprisoned people faced dysentery and lung disease. The Herero and Nama people were left untreated and had to carry out daily manual labour for private German companies, primarily land levelling, harbour building and railway. Often the people were beaten with jambox, a type of whips, with shootings and hangings being commonplace. Those imprisoned would pick up bits of refuse food thrown away by transport workers. The nights were bitterly cold and in Shark Island it was normal for cartloads of bodies to be carted over to the back beach buried in a few inches of sand at low tide. Sharks would later consume the corpses. Honestly, when doing the research for this, I was just shocked because I had not heard about this before, you know? Yeah, like, where was this? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and this was something that, you know how people say we learn from our mistakes with history, you know, let's not repeat history. Like, we see this, this was almost like a precursor, essentially, wasn't it, to what was to come um, from the Germans later on, in a sense, um, because this is when they've established their racist ideology. Yeah, and established that whole idea around concentration camps as well. Yeah, absolutely. And just the abuse and um, the torture, in a sense, leaving people to starve. It's all very, very similar. But yet, it, just when we talk about it, we I've not, I've not heard this story that highlighted it in any sense at all. Yeah, that's so true. 
Looking at medical racism, hundreds of skulls from those who died in these concentration camps were sent to laboratories in Berlin for medical experimentation. Eugen Fisker, whose ideas were used to form the basis for Nazi eugenics, conducted what he called field research, quote unquote, in Namibia. The heads of Herero people were used for experimentation in Germany to apparently demonstrate what they believed in that Africans were, you know, an inferior subspecies, which is what they believed. And those in concentration camps who were still alive and involved were involved in unethical experiments involving arsenic and opium. The effects of these substances were examined during autopsy. And those alive had chains around their necks. And some instances were instructed to skin the heads of dead Herero and Namat heads, which were taken to Europe for, again, quote unquote, medical examination. So it's essentially just to justify their racism, because obviously there is no difference um, in terms of the skeletal forms of, yeah. of black people and, and white people, um, you know, Africans and Europeans. And yet they, they wanted to prove their racist ideologies by essentially shipping the skeletons over. The killings in Namibia and also on Africa's east coast, where Germans had annexed, are regarded as steps towards Holocaust killings during World War II. And whilst there are many monuments and cities in Germany that commemorate the crimes against humanity during World War II, there's nothing as of yet, um, although there is, let us know, highlighted, <laughs> <laughs> highlighted or remembering victims of German colonialism. And in total, around 75,000 people were exterminated between 1904 to 1908. The German government only recognised these atrocities as, you know, a G-word genocide in 2016. I think there's a lot of fear in using that word. Like, I know. you. I, for me, it's like, own it as a country and be like, okay, we did do this. This is how yeah. we should, do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it's this thing, it becomes kind of hidden and that country is really pushing for you to actually recognise it because at the end of the day, you created that. Yeah, exactly. Own um, your mess um, and yeah. say, you know what, we were wrong. A bit like what they did. I mean, it's it's hard not to make the comparisons to the Holocaust. I mean, obviously, it was an awful atrocity what happened, but we see that the Germans did take accountability for that. Mm-hmm. But it's interesting to contrast that course of action against um, what, what the German government did in this case. In this case as well, yeah. The UN recognised that this was genocide in 1985. And in 1998, the German president at the time met the chief who demanded a public apology and compensation. And whilst the German president Herzog expressed regret, he stopped short of an apology. Namibia was handed under rule of the Republic of South Africa, which was under British rule. And Namibia gained independence in 1990 and obviously that changed its name from that awful name of South West Africa. It's crazy that they waited so long to recognise it, comparing the fact that the UN had recognised it as a genocide in 1985. Yeah. No one wanted to take ownership. Mm-mm. So where are we now? Descendants of German perpetrators are still living in fertile grazing areas, and Herero and Namaqua descendants are still in Namibia. However, they are rightly suing for reparations. It's so important that we learn about what exactly happened. As German settlers still own land seized from Herero and Nama people, there is still, also rightly, an air of resentment against Germans, as in 2016, red paint was painted over a German colonial monument. And it's also important that we realise that whilst German colonial statues remain in Namibia, mass graves of Herero genocide victims lie along the Swakop River and in railway yards in Windhoek. 
In 2004, the German Minister for Economic Development officially apologised, but still no compensation was given. The von Trotha family travelled to Omaruru in October 2007 to apologise for the actions of their relative, the Lieutenant General who sent out the extermination order. They accepted an invitation from the Royal Herero Chiefs. Imagine doing something so awful that your descendants have to apologise on your behalf. Imagine. Like, I can't even... How... But good on them, though, to have gone out there and really felt the need to apologise. It's more so than what Germany hasn't even recognised. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, How long by they that took point, to recognise it by exactly. that point, yeah. The family recognised it before the German government recognised it, which is just insane. So I've fully, yeah, gosh, let me not commit anything that's like atrocious enough that my descendants <laughs> in like 100 years time are like, Honestly, we're really sorry. Astrid was just mad in 2021. <laughs> yeah, I just, I can't. Like, it's just awful. No one knows Von Trotha's name either, you know? Obviously we like joke and be like, oh gosh, he sounds like a villain, but I, don't, I didn't know about this guy, you know? Mm-hmm. They could have just kept it quiet. So it's, like, yeah. Crazy. And on to the subjects of reparations. In 2011, after three years of talks, the first 20 skulls, so sorry, 2011, by the way. So just so you know, it's 2011 that this happened. Yeah. The first 20 skulls of Nama and Herero people, which were stored in the Museum of Medical History of the Charité, were returned to Namibia to be buried. So again, in 2011. That's what. That's when that happened. Gosh, if only we had things like quick transportation. Oh yeah, yeah. If only we had planes. Yeah, that didn't exist, did it? Another fourteen skulls were returned from the University of Freiburg, and in 2020, the German government offered 10 million euros. That was it, as compensation to the damage inflicted to the people of Namibia, and this was rejected, rightly so, with Namibia's president describing it as an insult. Germany then argued that they would have paid millions in development aid so far, but actually, how much aid would have been needed if they didn't decimate the population to begin with? Yeah, that's a fair point, because they, the people at that time, the Nama and Herrera people, were chilled, land, cattle. If they had the land and the cattle, mm-hmm. then why would they need Germany? Like, why is Germany even in the in the equation by this point? Yeah, why are you here, like, kicking me out of my own land? Yeah. Like, makes no, makes it's no like, sense. They insert themselves into the narrative, and they're like, oh, we need us now. And it's like, well, actually, I didn't need you before (laughs) now here i am (laughs) you need me (laughs) african countries will be watching closely as this story develops as they may consider launching their own efforts to gain compensation for violence and theft during decades of european rule i mean we are hoping it's not on the scale of like we know we love robbie robbie uh mugabe for what he did taking the land back but please yeah not to that i'm begging you (laughs) i just don't know if there is a perfect balance with this that's the thing do you know what i mean how how could we but there's just it just gets too too sticky you know Mm. and uh, this isn't dissimilar to caribbean nations who insist rightly so that britain should take part in a negotiated settlement to bring wealth back to the caribbean so again another example of britain being oh no you need us it's like no Mm, no no, not really, no. But we're still going to be here anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we're still going to travel to your island and give them COVID. Uh, you know? Yeah, do you know what I mean? Isn't that what? I can't remember who it was. Someone from Love Island or something. Yeah, no, it, it was, was yeah, actually. I can't yeah, remember yeah. which island, but she went there, giving them COVID. Uh, yeah, and then like thought, I'll just fly back to my own country whilst also infecting your island. Like, yep. what the hell? Yep. Honestly, the entitlement is real. 
that's the story of the forgotten genocide, which we hope is not forgotten anymore. I hope that we've brought the story to light. And yeah, thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thank you for listening. And we will see you in two weeks time we'll see you in two weeks time don't forget to follow our socials so we're on instagram at it's a continent pod and we're also on twitter at it's a continent perfect bye bye